0: Greetings this Lord's Day in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Greetings. Before Jesus was crucified, before he left this world, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but I will come to you. And that's just what he does. Amen? Amen. He comes to us today as we gather together in his presence. He comes to us when we are straying away from our faith and we enter into doubt and we become discouraged he doesn't leave us there amen he comes to us right where we are and he speaks to us and he takes us on the road back home david talked about this in psalm 27 he talked about those times when we feel that we've been forsaken by everyone he said the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing if I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. And in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set my feet upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said, Unto thee, O Lord, thy face will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, and put not thy servant away in anger, for thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. For when my father and my mother forsake me, I know that the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path, because of mine enemies. Deliver me not unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen against me, as such as breathe out cruelty. And I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we have waited on you and you are here. Lord, you said where two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst. And today we know you are with us. Oh, we long to hear your voice, O God. Speak to us. Speak to us in the Word that is preached. Speak to us in the liturgy that we walk out here today as we call to You and You answer. Forgive us as we ask You to cleanse us from our sins and fill us as we come to You as hungry children, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Lord, help us today. Change us by the power of Your Spirit. Infuse us with faith today as we hear Your Word. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I remain standing for just a few more moments as I read for you my text for my sermon. The sermon today is called The Road Home. My text is from Luke 24, verses 13 through 17. This is my final installment of the life of Christ. as found in the four Gospels, week 104. And um, I think it's very fitting to end with this story. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, says this. And behold, two of them, which went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed and together and reasoned, Jesus drew near and he went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, only your voice and your words can change us and make us more like you. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless the preaching of the word today, Lord, that you would speak to your people. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I know we've already done a lot of Bible reading today, but in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen, the Apostle Paul he said these words, starting at verse fourteen. He said, "If Christ be not risen, then our preaching." is vain, and your faith is vain also. (coughs) Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. So if so be that the dead rise not, for if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ not be raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, of all men, most miserable. You know, we have a wonderful faith. We learn how to live, how to treat each other, how to behave, how to have peace with each other, right? We hear great principles about, you know, how to deal with our money and how to deal with our neighbors and... And, and how to raise good kids. We, we got all that, right? But do you know what? If that was really all that we got out of it, it really wouldn't be so much. Because if the dead raised not, if, if death was never conquered, then it's a pretty hopeless situation. Every one of us would go before God and face Him with our sins with no hope. But that's not what happened. Wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it be miserable indeed? There would be no hope at all without the resurrection. This is where these two men were. You see, they had, on this very day, I mean, this should have been the happiest day on earth, Andy. It was the day that Jesus had risen from the dead that morning, and here they go. Walking away from Jerusalem. Sad talking about these things. And and they would be sad. Because of all of the wonderful things that he did would make this time even more sad. Right? Man, it was... Didn't you really think? I guess it wasn't so. Jesus had risen that very morning as he said he would. And they had even heard about it, but because they hadn't seen it themselves... Doubt had overcome them and sadness had overtaken them. You might remember my sermon of several months ago. The good news is what? It's the death, the burial, the resurrection. The resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. You guys remember that sermon? Because that's what the Apostle Paul says. He said he was Christ who died. He was buried and he rose again. And He was seen of this person. And He was seen of that person. And He appeared to these people. And then He appeared to those people. And He appeared to 500 people. And then He appeared to me. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. That's the good news. And here they were. They had heard the Sermon on the Mount. They had watched Him do great miracles. And all that was great. But as incredible as these miracles were, incredible as the teaching was, they gave clarity to what God's word had been saying from the very beginning. They saw his miracles, they heard his teaching. As certain as they were that that these things were happening, they were certain that he was the Messiah. But you know what they were certain of, Steve? They saw him die. You know, what we see with our eyes and what we witness can be very, very powerful. But do you know what the Bible says about that? It says, you know what, if our heart, if our heart deceives us, God's even greater than our heart. If we look at a situation and we go, it's hopeless, it can't be fixed, it isn't what I thought, oh no, this can't be, God says, you know, you need to think about what my word says. How many of us have ever been in a situation where we saw no possible way for anything good to happen? This can't be good. This is the ultimate one of those. Here they were. They were triumphant. They were joyous. They were excited. They were arguing a, a few hours earlier when this great kingdom comes, who's going to be the greatest one in the kingdom? Man, we've seen it all. They were certain though, of all that but then they were certain that they saw him die and i mean what can I, what what can a dead man do for you now they knew he was wrapped in a linen cloth and laid in a tomb and some had come to say that his body was gone not only did he die a criminal's death but now he's probably been fed to the dogs you see you know that's what they normally did to the crucified they fed them to the wild dogs outside jerusalem His body's gone. They probably just threw him in a gutter somewhere and the dogs ate him. Could you imagine the dejection? Some had come and said, oh, we saw him alive. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure you did. Like he was bloody. He was beaten. His side was pierced. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took him down. They, they, they wrapped him in a linen cloth. They buried him. He's dead. You're going to have to come to grips with the reality here, guys. See, they hadn't seen it themselves. They thought it was wishful thinking. Oh, we saw a vision. Angels came. Yeah, I'm sure you did. And so they were on their way. We don't really know why they were going to Emmaus, but one thing we know about Emmaus is it wasn't toward the other disciples. It wasn't toward Jerusalem. It wasn't toward the cross. It wasn't toward the empty grave. They weren't going there to look. They were walking away. Carrying the heaviness of their grief and disappointment, they walked on the road to Emmaus. And you know, everyone calls it the road to Emmaus, but I don't call it that. I call it the road home. Because what you're going to see is all they were on the road to Emmaus, that's not where they ended up. Emmaus was a little spot on the road where they did an illegal (laughs) U-turn. Maybe illegal U-turn. They thought it was dark, they thought it was the end of their day, but it was not. They got there and something wonderful happened to turn them around and we'll get to that in just a minute. Carrying the heaviness of their grief and disappointment, they walked on this road, and a man who seemed to be a stranger walked with them, listening to them. Do you know God listens to us when we talk? Heath, do you ever talk to yourself when you get discouraged? You ever on one of them ladders, and you're thinking about something in your family, and you're like, rock'em, sock'em, smock'em, smack smock'em, you know, tell me, you know. I get that way, I talk to myself. They were talking to each other. This is where they were at the moment, but it was not where they would be for long. Soon they would make a turn. They would repent from their unbelief and this road that that they thought led to Emmaus would be the road home. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us in our faithlessness and our unbelief. Amen? He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He even walks with us in our unbelief as we walk away from Him. But He always leads us lovingly back on the road home. 1 Corinthians 15 where I read from a few moments ago Paul did not leave his readers in the misery and the uncertainty as he said if in this life only we have hope we are of most all men most miserable he continued with these words to lead them to the road home to faith remember these words let them walk with you when you find yourself walking away the wrong way let them burn in your heart today like they burned in the hearts of those men on the road to Emmaus Paul said this, he said, But now Christ is risen from the dead. He has become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, and so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Not only is the good news that Jesus rose from the dead, but the good news is that you will too. And that every loved one that has gone before, that hasn't just gone in the ground to be forgotten or to be remembered in some memorial type way, but they will rise, the Bible said, bodily. That corruption will put on incorruption. Amen? And then the Bible tells us, These two men had seen the good man, the good shepherd, as they had heard some good news, but they had allowed their circumstances to overshadow the sunshine of their faith. They stopped believing the good news, the gospel, but Jesus would not leave them in their unbelief. They thought they were on their way to Emmaus. The road where they were still on was referred to as the road to Emmaus. But as I said before, they were walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but they were going to be on their way back soon. The good news indeed is Christ has risen, he has conquered death, and through him death has lost its sting. Our hope is not only in this life, but in the one to come. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, I got excited. You know, I keep doing this. I keep wanting to not use my notes and just preach. And I end up coming back and I forgot I wrote it down already. (laughs) The Bible says it better than I could quote it. For this corruption must put on what? Incorruption. This mortal will put on? Immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I don't know about you, but I hate death. I'm helping my mom and dad, or I'm helping my, my dad and my sister pack things up because they're going to be selling their home and they're finding these pictures of my mom. Man, I love my mom. I saw pictures of her. She had beautiful skin and I used to love to kiss her face and hug her. But I can't. And I saw those pictures of just kind of hurt me just looking at them. And I know everyone's lost people. I'm going to see her. The woman that prayed that her son would preach the gospel. I pray she's in heaven standing, looking down right now going, come on, Mark. Don't choke up. Don't just cry. Come on, preach it. Okay, mama. I'm trying. I'm trying. What a miserable life it would be, wouldn't it? If there was no hope. Oh, but there's hope. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to, to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Could you imagine speaking to death? Oh, death. Death that took my mama, death that took your wife, death that took... Those that we love, oh death, where's your sting now? Oh grave, where is your victory? You thought you scored, you thought you won the game. Oh, but I think not. For the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's what they were. They were walking and, and they were believing everything Jesus said, but they weren't believing that. And folks, that's what that's the, that's the central thing. Our, our, our hope isn't in this life. It is not in raising good children. It is not in being these wonderful paragons of virtue for our righteousness before God is filthy rags. We should press on. We should try to attain righteousness, but not be found in him having our own, but true righteousness, which comes from the power of the spirit within us. Sometimes I think we long too much to be righteous rather than to have the righteousness of God lived out in us through the spirit. We long to be thought of well and to be thought of we, you know, you really did good. I'm really impressed by you. There's nothing impressive that any of us ever will do. What Christ did is the beginning and the ending of it all for us. So Luke twenty-four, thirteen. behold, two of them went the same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. The very day of the resurrection, arguably the very best day the earth has ever known since man sinned in the garden. These two men, the followers of Jesus, men who had even heard the good news, were walking away from it and walking away from all they had heard and seen. It was like they were leaving the faith. And on these seven and a half miles of dusty road to Emmaus, they rehearsed the wonderful three and a half years of the life of Jesus. All the wonder and all the greatness of it made their grief so much more. And they talked together of things that had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and he went with them. As I said before, isn't this what God does? when we struggle and doubt and fear and unbelief. All right, Jason? They're like, you know what? Is God seeing me here in this house? Does he see what I'm going through? Does he see my suffering and my difficulty? Jesus comes along, Jason, and he says, I'm out right here, buddy. He never leaves us to our own doubt. You know, sinful flesh is a bad deal. I've seen God do the most amazing things in my life. I'd be an idiot to not have great faith. But I would like to announce to all of you today, I am an idiot. <laughs> I literally have sat at, in, my, in, in, in my situation in the past six months and go, you know, what, do you really think there is a God? I'm, I'm serious. I really have done this. And then my own memory, my own life goes how stupid could you possibly be? Seriously? You, of all people, who God appears in your life over and over and over, who prays and things happen, who prays at your dinner table for a cow and one shows up in your front yard the next day? (laughs) Seriously? Who, Who says God's so great someone can hand the keys of a building and and, and give it to you, and a few days later, someone walks up and goes, hey, I got the keys to this building, and you can have it if you want, who's have been given building after building tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I sometimes will ask for things offhandedly, and, and they will appear in droves. It's absolutely incredible. And yet, you know what I do, Jason? I go, you know, maybe there isn't a God. I can relate to these stupid disciples. I really can't. I mean, they were with Jesus when he walked on the water and fed the 5,000. When he raised people from the dead. You know, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he was just mostly dead there. Maybe Lazarus was just mostly dead. It's what God does when we struggle in doubt and fear and unbelief. He draws near to us. He walks with us. Verse sixteen, but their eyes were holding that they would not know him. And Jesus had taken on a new role here in their lives. He had been there in plain sight every day to go, "Okay, guys, come on. Are you so stupid? I told you fifteen times this was going to happen." And they're like, "What? I don't remember. Don't you remember when we were here? Don't you remember when we were here? Don't you remember And they, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." You think some of your kids are stupid? <laughs> Brain damaged. They are. We forget. This is what God does for us each day. He had been there in plain sight day after day, but he obscures himself here and becomes the unseen hand of God. This is what he does every day. The man Christ Jesus, he can't walk with us every day. Jesus can't come over to London Road and and be with you and mow your grass. He can't do that. can't do it but he comes to us. He speaks to us. You know, when our little one crawls up on our lap or when our brother or sister stops by to bring some love. So he's walking with him, Jason. He says, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another and you walk and are sad? I mean, I joke about this because it's part of my upbringing and I know they must have commercials about it today, but you know, Ed McMahon shows up on your front porch with the giant publisher's clearinghouse check of, you know, $5 million or $200,000 a day or I don't know whatever it is, right? The day you're supposed to jump up and down and scream and go, ah, you know, and for them to make the video. And on that day, they're walking around and they're sad. Jesus had risen from the dead. The kingdom of God had just opened up before him. Death had been conquered and they were walking around sad. I mean, come on. Not a day to be sad, Amen. But that's what they were doing. Jesus enters the conversation. How often do people speak to us without our knowing that they are the voice of God? How often do we unknowingly entertain angels unaware? The Bible says we do. You know, one of those folks over there at the nursing home, you know, you, it's probably hard to keep track of them all, right? Little old woman, little old man could come out and walk down the hall and walk beside you for a minute and say something to you and you wouldn't know it, but it's an angelic being. Like, what room is that one in? Wow, I can't find it. (laughs) I haven't seen him again. You know, God does this. He comes to us. He talks to us. He walks with us. He says he sends his ministering spirits. And oftentimes we don't even know it. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said, "Art thou only a stranger, and art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and has you not known the things which are come to pass these days?" Now do you guys remember who Cleopas was? Cleopas, his wife Mary, stood beside Jesus. It's Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene, those three Marys that triune tower of bitter pain and faithful strength. Cleopas, church history tells us, was the brother of Joseph. The, as we would say in today's terms, the, uh, well, no, we wouldn't say that. We would say Jesus' stepdad, sort of. He played the physical role of father in the home, although he was not the father of Jesus. So here Cleopas was. He's, Jesus' uncle, if church history is right, we know he's some very close relative. He said unto them, he says, "What things?" Jesus asked, as if he doesn't know. Sometimes God has to do this to do. So you know, to us, He has to have us remember. What things? Tell us, tell us about it. And they begin to say, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus is like, oh, tell tell me about him. I mean, Jesus is toying with them a little bit here. But what he's doing is he's wanting them to talk. Who's this about? Oh, we're sad about Jesus. He was a prophet. He was mighty indeed and in word before God. Can you hear him? They're almost getting excited, Steve. He was mighty indeed uh, before... uh, in the Word of God and, and 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 He did this before all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and they've crucified Him. <clears throat> Cleopas explains how Jesus was a prophet mighty in word and deed before God. Perhaps one of the greatest. A prophet like Elijah or Elisha but with probably a double portion of what Elisha had or even more. His greatness was overwhelming. He may have even taken the time to tell him a few of his stories. Oh, you would have never believed it if you would have seen it yourself. He gets out of the boat at Gadara, and a man possessed with demons gets out, and he falls at his feet. And he casts these demons into swine, and these people, the swine, go careening over the cliff and drown in the sea, and those people were so mad. This man was delivered so much so that he went around Gadara preaching the word of God. And by the time Jesus came back, there were disciples everywhere. Wow. Oh, he goes, you wouldn't believe it. We were in Bethany and we went to the house and this man had been dead for four days. Jesus shows up. They're crying. They're mad. They're like, roll the stone away. The man was stinking. He was rotting. He'd been dead for four days. they have been mourning. All the crime was over. They were, they were just... You know, crock pots of food everywhere where people had brought it. He calls him out, and then he tells us he's the resurrection and the life. Lazarus raises from the dead, and now everybody knows. He probably probably told him about the wisdom that he spoke on the Sermon of the Mount, how he promised judgment to Israel. The destruction of this grand temple in Jerusalem—how not one rock would be left upon the other? Yes, he was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. I can almost hear Cleopas sigh with longing. Oh, he was great. Could you imagine? it? It's all over now. He's gone. And the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And could you imagine how hard it would have been even to say it? You know how when we've lost a loved one, it's hard to even sometimes say their name at first. They crucified him to say the way that they died. The pain of having to say these dreaded words to say what was done to this man that he loved so much and had so much faith in, but still there was more pain. He goes on in verse twenty-one to the most difficult part of it all for Cleopas and his companion. Verse twenty-one, he says, "But we, but we trusted that he had been he which he would have redeemed Israel." Oh, it's bad enough that the greatest man that ever I've ever imagined being around, that the most incredible prophet, it's something that he is gone. But what's worse is we thought he was the <coughs> Messiah that he was going to save all of Israel. Can't you hear his disappointment? All this great prophet did and said were wonderful, but he had hoped for even more. And beside this, he said, today is the third day since these things were done. You'd think the very words coming out of his mouth would have reminded him that Jesus said, you know what's gonna happen. Certain women from our company made us astonished. They went early in the morning to the sepulcher and when they found his body, not his body, they came saying, well, they said they saw a vision (laughs) and that he was alive, you know, you know how women can be, they're emotional. I'm sure they missed him, but I mean, really an angel, a vision, see how stupid these guys are. They had seen all this and still they didn't believe. Certain of them were with us, went to the sepulchre, and found that even the, as the women had said, but him they saw not. They didn't see Jesus. They obviously didn't believe their friends, and they didn't believe the vision of the angels, and they didn't believe the message that Jesus was alive. This was not a message that they could believe secondhand. They had lived with him day after day, and they had seen firsthand. You see, this was a struggle for them. They didn't have to. They weren't one of the people that the disciples were preaching to. Hey, let me tell you about a guy who can raise the dead. They're like, no, no, no. I saw it. Right? So everybody else had to be secondhand, but they never had to be, right? They went around preaching about Jesus, and they expected everyone else to believe somebody else's words, but they couldn't. They'd seen it firsthand. Yeah, I believe what I see. But here they were in a place to be told something, then they couldn't believe it. They were no different than Thomas, right? All the they're like he's here, just what he said he rose from the dead. He goes unless I see him myself, <laughs> right? And I put my fingers in his in his in the holes in his hands and inside, and if I unless I see that, and you know what? God was kind to Thomas. We remember, was he not? And that's just where these guys were. They're like we didn't see it. It's hard for us to believe. So Jesus opened up now. Jesus is not gentle sometimes. His opening words are that they're fools. Okay? But can you see why? How stupid are you? You were with Him every single day. He told you what He was going to do before it even happened. He prepared you for it for days and days. And how stupid are you? Oh, fool, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He doesn't even go to all that they lived through. He goes to what the Bible had said. Ought not Christ to have suffered? We We read about it from Isaiah 53. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Tim was pained up here in the deacon elder huddle. He's like, really? This is all that Luke gives us? He doesn't tell us all that. I mean, come on. Wouldn't it have been great to hear this sermon, Stephen? And Jesus preaches the entire Old Testament and how it applies to his life. And I won't really tell you what that says because, of course, everybody knows that. We're going to go ahead and move on. I mean, and, and he began at Moses and all the prophets, and he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Can you imagine this walk? Wouldn't that have been a walk to have been on? Seven and a half miles as they walked, I bet you it seemed pretty short. Here they were. They'd been sad. They'd been dejected. Their heads were hanging low. And Jesus said, don't you remember what Isaiah said? Surely... He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, right? He would be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely we hid as it were our faces from him, yet we esteemed him not, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears are done. Yet he opened not his mouth. But who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. Right. He made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death. He quoted this from Psalm 22, and he said he was wounded in the house of his friends. He was thirsty. And they remembered on the cross how he cried out, I thirst, not a bone of his would be broken. And they remembered that he died before his bones were broken one after the other. Could you imagine hearing this pitch? Jesus is preaching the sermon about himself from the Old Testament from Moses through all the prophets. I don't know. I would have started walking slow, Andy. I would have been like, you know, I think we need to take a little break here. Could we sit down for a little bit? God always takes us back to His Word when we waver. Amen? It is the rock on which our lives were built. In the midst of every story, the Word of God holds us firm and keeps us from sinking in the angry waves of our doubt. Faith comes by hearing, and right now, that's what they needed. They needed some faith. And as this stranger... We know as Jesus spoke the words of the Old Testament prophets, reminding them of the man of sorrows who would be wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. He pointed them to David's songs from the Psalms. How he would be pierced, their faith began to rise. Notice he began his discourse with the rebuke. "O fools, slow of heart to believe what the prophets have said. This is what the word of God is supposed to do. It rebukes us. Right? We never like it, but faithful are the words of those rebukes. Learn to welcome them. When someone you love comes to your house and they come and they talk to you and they share the word of God and they rebuke you, you might go, you know, I didn't really like that. I don't like that. The Bible says none of it's pleasant at the time. But godly people will take those rebukes. They will understand that's what it's for, right? Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof? Everybody say reproof. reproof. For correction. Reproof. For instruction in righteousness. Reproof. How many of you, when your children are disobedient, you speak the word of God and they go, Dad, that's not fair. I'm not gonna say that's ever happened at my house before, but dad when your kids are being dishonoring you should say what does the Bible say? Honor your father and mother. When your children are disobedient what do you say? Children obey your parents and the Lord when your wife won't listen of course that's never how many, how many of you could handle that? How many of you wives can handle uh, your husband going uh, honey I'm going to wash you with the water of the word right now. Wives obey your husbands <laughs> in everything depending on which version you, you, you quote. We would not like it. We don't like it. We don't like that at all. But that's what we need. We need to be corrected by the word. If you're a wife, you should... Those words about wives should hit you in the head. As a father, there, there's a father and a husband. I get, The word of God speaks. It says not to provoke your children to wrath. It says... Be careful how you deal with your kids. You know, when I see that I'm making my kids mad, the Bible comes to me and goes, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, if you're a child and you hear your ch- children, you should be thinking, what does it say to me? He said, you fools, you're slow to believe the word of God. And I'm telling you, that's what we do. But God comes. This is how Jesus uses the scripture. Those who love you will do the same. They drew nigh to the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to tarry with them. This is what people of God do when they hear the voice of God. They want to hear more. Amen? For three days, all they could hear was the doubt and the fear, and now they were being lifted up by the words from the stranger. They wanted more, and they begged him to stay the night. The night was coming in a mess, but the day was about to dawn in their hearts. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. This is what God does. He says, you know, he said, I've been talking, I've been preaching to these guys. You'd think they would know who I am, but apparently they're missing it. So I'm going to do something that's going to be a little hard for them to miss goes and he gets the bread and he breaks it and he blesses it and he gives it to them and they're like holy mackerel they probably didn't say that but they, knew, they were fishermen they knew what mackerel were I'm pretty sure their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight What a vision. How kind God is to us in our unbelief. He comes to us just when we need it, right when we need it. They were faith-starved, hungering and thirsting in the wasteland of their unbelief, wandering in the wilderness of sin. Yet God came as a pillar of firelight and brought them His own words as the bread of heaven. They took the bread, He blessed it, He broke it, He gave it to them. Each time we gather here, our faith is renewed weary on our life's journey we come and what happens each week but Christ comes and he breaks the bread and he hands it out and he feeds us and then we remember oh wait a minute I remember I remember what gives me joy it doesn't matter what I've been doing last week it doesn't matter what people have done to me it doesn't matter what I've seen with my own eyes let me tell you something the bread is broken and here Christ is he loves me he's here to forgive me He's here to tell me that I am now seated in heavenly places in Christ. The devil whispers in my ear and he says, you've sinned and you're going to be separated from God. And you look back at him and you say, you're a liar. For though I am covered in the crimson stains of sin, that God has washed me whiter than snow. And though I deserve the very fires of hell, Christ has said, he has gone to prepare a place for me. That where I am, there, we can be together. You see, he's a liar. And he lies, but God comes bringing the truth. I pray you hear the word preached each week. That your hearts burn in you as they did that day. That you hear his voice and you see his face. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us by the way? And while he opened up the scriptures and they didn't stay in Emmaus that night, it didn't matter that it was dark. It didn't matter that there was a long way to go. It didn't matter that there were seven and a half miles between them and the upper room where the disciples were gathered together. It didn't matter at all. They were gonna get up and they were gonna walk. They rose the same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. And by faith, they found the road home. They found the eleven gathered and them that were with them, and they said, Oh, the Lord is risen. He hath appeared to Simon. Now they were bringing the words of faith to these guys who were gathered around and who were maybe still in some pain and suffering themselves. And they told them what things were done by the way and how he made known himself to them in the breaking of the bread. Here these guys are now bringing encouragement to their discouraged brothers. And as it was, Jesus appears. Boom. <laughs> can you just, can you picture it? Here they thought they had left him back in a man or he had left them and they'd walked all the way back those seven and a half miles. I bet you they didn't saunter. I bet you they didn't stroll. I bet you they were like, oh, we got to get to Jerusalem. we got to get to Jerusalem. And all the way back. They probably arrived breathlessly at the upper room. Oh, God, you can't believe what happened to us. Let me tell you how He broke the bread and how He appeared to us. And just when they were getting their story cranked up, Jesus appears. They're like, well, I guess there's no more for us to say. <laughs> he was with us. They told what things were done in the breaking of the bread and As he spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a ghost. And he said unto them, What are you trembling for? And why do these thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me, see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Have you seen me? And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while yet they believe not for the joy, they were just so excited to see him, but they couldn't believe what he was saying. They were thinking, well, maybe he lived through this somehow. I don't I don't even know. I don't No, 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 no. Come here. Come here, guys. Come on. Yet while they yet believe not for joy and wondered and said, Jesus says to them, you got any food around here? I thought this was the most peculiar thing ever, Heath, when I read this. I mean, here, here they are. They're in their unbelief. He's appearing to them. And he's like, you got any food around here? I'm kind of hungry. I mean, you know, I mean, guys, come on. This, this is not something the Dalai Lama would write. This is not something you would read in the Hindu Vishnu or whatever it is. You're not going to read that. So the great spirit, he appears after risen from the dead. And he's like, you got any food around here? And Jonathan, I thought, what in the world? They gave him a broiled fish. Kind of makes me want to eat fish, honey. Better get some over in only. And they gave him a part of a honeycomb, and he took it, and he ate it. And I thought, Jeff, I thought, what in the world is Jesus doing? He's appearing. I mean, eating would be the last thing on his mind, I would think. But no. Do you remember what Jesus said? Andy read it for us today. (laughs) He had told them, he said, I'm not going to eat again until you see me in my kingdom. And so what was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying, thy kingdom has come. Thy will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people are waiting for the kingdom to come, but it's come already. And this is the good news that we're to go out and tell the world. We're not waiting for one day for us to be whisked out of this world because it's going to get so horrible. Jesus has come. He that has conquered death. He that has overcome sin and has brought salvation has come. And here He is. He's eating with them. Luke twenty two, sixteen, I say unto you, I will not any more eat until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We are not waiting on it, it is already here. Jesus came to restore God's kingdom on earth. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written that it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them, And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, what a magnificent story. Lord, may that be our story every day, every time we gather together. It is like we are here again at Emmaus. Six days we walk and maybe we seem to walk sometimes away from your word, but we are brought again every Lord's day back here and the bread is broken and we see your face and we hear your voice again. And you bring us home. Lord, you remind us that your kingdom has come and that your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And you remind us that we are the workers in this kingdom. That we are the servants of the kingdom. That we are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And that we are a holy city built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With you yourself being the chief cornerstone. Oh Lord God, we pray today that we would realize this. And the joy of that would eclipse all the sorrows of death and all the sorrows of our failures. And that today we would rejoice in your presence. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.